0: Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Drop the treats. Get rid of them. Get rid of all rewards, all treats. Get them out of the training picture. Get out of that mindset. Why would I say that? I'm a professional dog trainer who uses positive reinforcement daily. Why would I tell you to get rid of the treats? I'm your host, Michael Azeda, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, host of the Acknowledge Dogs podcast, and founder of Matador Canine Brilliance. Today, we're talking about what happens when you hoard treats. You hold them in your hand, your dog starts to learn where the treat's are coming from, when the treats are there, when they're not there. We're going to guide a little bit more into it. But did you know that you can actually train your dog through positive reinforcement and still end pump behaviors? You don't have to punish them. And to help you out, I wrote a free PDF guide. It's called Resolving Complicated Bad Habits Without Using Punishment. The link is in the description. You can download that absolutely free. It's a nice short read, but it is packed with useful information. So make sure you take advantage of that. I have seen way too many times over the thousands of dogs that I've trained, over the thousands of dogs I've trained way too many times where the owner has practiced for weeks. They're getting so much success. And then we take the treats away or they don't have treats. Where they don't have the ball, whatever it is, and the dog completely forgets what they should be doing. This happens way too much. And you've just wasted weeks of time that you've worked with your dog simply because they now know what the difference is between working and not working. So why does this happen? Why are dogs so smart when we don't want them to be and they play dumb when we want them to be smart? Right? You're trying to teach them something, and they're like, nope, I'm just gonna keep taking my treats. But of course. They can be really smart and they are very smart. So they pick up on these things. What happens is dogs learn what's called stimulus control. Some people refer to it as generalization, becoming really specific. I like to label it under stimulus control. Stimulus control is when a behavior happens when it's supposed to happen, doesn't happen when it's not supposed to happen, happens in response to a particular cue, right, if I say sit, my dog will sit, and does not happen when a different cue is presented. So I say down, my dog wouldn't sit. Also, the behavior sit wouldn't happen when I said the word down. So there's kind of four criteria there that lock in that stimulus control. Now, the same thing goes for when our dogs are training just in general. Okay, we're going to train when I have the treat pouch on. We're not training when I don't have the treat pouch on. See how very quickly our dogs can learn what the difference is? Right? When the treat pouch is on, when my hand is in my pocket, when I have the ball sticking out of my back pocket, all of those things tell our dog that there is opportunity for reinforcement. And when there isn't opportunity for reinforcement, they forget what they're doing because it's not in the same context. Classic example I always give to my clients is I want you to think about a kid in school. You ask them their times table, multiplication. Right, You say six times five, they go, boom, 35. You go six times 12 they do 72. i don't know what's up with today and six but that's what i'm thinking about <laughs> so they can very quickly boom they got the math the math the multiplication in math because they are learning in the environment and being tested in the environment of which they learned take the same kid go to disneyland ask him five times six guarantee it'll be longer it'll take them more effort to get the number now, if you practiced in all these different environments, sure, they'd get really good at multiplication. And maybe that's a very specific a specific situation where kids wouldn't learn how to do it in Disneyland. But most of the time, the kids are just too overstimulated and excited to be thinking about math. Ask them to do the Declaration of Independence, right? Recite it. There's no way that's going to happen, if they learned it in school, of course. If they haven't learned it, it's not going to help them either way. I'm getting on a little bit of a tangent here. Point being, dogs learn. Specific situations mean one thing, and if the specific criteria isn't there, it means something else. If you don't have treats, I'm not going to listen. If you're not going to guide me around, this is what a problem I have with luring. The treats are in your hand. This is the big point of today's episode. Don't lure your dog. If you take nothing else away, this is the point that you should take. Stop luring your dog. We're going to go over how to teach your dog and what to do so that they're not following treats and they're not creating this kind of problem in a little bit. But what I need to get through to your head right now is stop luring your dog. Every social media trainer that I see every single day is luring their dog. One of the greatest social media marketers when it comes to dog training, and I won't mention who it is, they teach classes in competition-styled obedience. And they do a lot of luring, a ridiculous amount of luring. And oftentimes that would be fine. I would be, okay, you know, do your little luring, but then they teach more people how to do it, which means more people are going to have the problem that I'm talking about today, where their dog does not do it. If you don't lure them or does not do it, if you don't have treats in their face, my reactivity course, that's available at training.matadorcanine.com. My reactivity course specifically goes against what so many clients are told about reactivity. Oh, your dog is staring at something? Put treats in front of their face and have them turn around. What happens when you don't have treats? What happens when the dog doesn't like the treats? This is a classic example of of people fighting against the positive reinforcement side, the cookie pushers, as they say. Oh, you're just putting treats in front of their face or cookies in front of their face. Actually, what we should be doing is rewarding the choice to have them turn towards us, which is what I do in the reactivity course. So if your dog is reactive, head over to training.matadorcanine.com and sign up for the reactivity course. You can also sign up with me to do some coaching. That's training.matadorcanine.com six-week coaching, and I'll actually walk you through the course one-on-one. But to look at the differences here, I want my dog to not become reliant on the treats, to not become reliant on food or a toy or any other reward. Yes, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to teach them the behavior I want. And I'm not going to eliminate rewards. Then I have no way of telling them they did a good job. But I don't want them to become reliant on it. So the first thing you can do, the first thing you can do is start shaping behaviors instead of luring them. Now, shaping is just selecting behaviors that are slowly getting closer to the ultimate goal, right? Successful approximation is what we call it. So if I want my dog to go sit on their bed, I'm going to mark with a clicker, a conditioned reinforcer. I'm going to mark for them getting their front paw on the bed. And I'm not luring at the same time. This is a big confusion. Oh, well, I'll just mark when their front paw gets on the bed, but I'm going to lure them there. The conditioned reinforcer doesn't matter at that point. A conditioned reinforcer has to come before the primary reinforcer or the uh, reinforcer you're trying to condition. So if a clicker... A mark comes before the treat they'll make the association if it doesn't if they come at the same time or the treats first and then the conditioned reinforcer one it's not really technically a conditioned reinforcer and two they don't make the association they don't think that that click means anything and you can damage a really strong conditioned reinforcer if you do this so if you're gonna lure your dog you have to lure your dog really the only situation i see it is if you need to teach a very complex maneuver and you have to manipulate their body, or you're doing fitness equipment. So dog's on a fitness equipment and you're trying to get minute adjustments to work on fitness, right? They're, they're small little muscles that we need to engage, that kind of thing. That's when I'll use luring. But really, you should switch over to shaping. If you switch over to shaping, your dog is no longer becoming reliant on the treats. If you're gonna use luring, get rid of the clicker. If you have to use luring for exercise if you have to use luring for those tiny movements get rid of the clicker and add it in later but i guarantee you're going to run into the same problem right you're going to lure your dog a little bit get the behavior that you want and now you have no way of starting that unless you start phasing out the lure and that just adds so much more time teach it through shaping first work your shaping muscle it is a muscle to try to think about okay how can i take this giant behavior and break it down into a really manageable step so that my dog can get good at it if they can get good at that good now we can move on to the next step and we can move on to the next one if they can't get good at it i can't move forward but the more you do this the more your dog does this the faster you're going to learn overall one of my favorite stories it's in one of uh, karen Pryor's books she had done a seminar and the owner had a, I'm going to say, 16-week-old puppy. And after introducing clicker training, this puppy was able to do every single obedience command and multiple tricks in one night. The dog loved learning so much it could just keep going and it could do more things. Because the owner was able to instruct the dog perfectly, which sounds baffling to me, right? They just had such a good understanding right away. This puppy learned so many things, sit down, heel, walking nice on leash, spin, jump, bark, all of those things this puppy was able to do. And yet people who lure their dogs can take years and the dog still doesn't know what it should be doing. That's a problem for me. That's a problem. Why would, why would I, as a professional dog trainer, recommend to you something that I've seen happen way too often where a dog is just Lord for years and they never get the picture. They never understand what they're supposed to be doing Shape it and you could do it all in one night You can do it all in one session if you're really good depending on the complexity of the behavior So why does this happen? This happens because dogs learn very quickly Specific situations and scenarios in where they're gonna get rewarded when they're not gonna get rewarded When you take the treat away when you hide it, when you put it in different pockets, when you put it off to the side in a mason jar, mark over here, get your dog to do the right thing, mark, then go get the treat. You teach them that you are important. The mark is important, not the treat itself. And if you stop luring, if you completely get rid of luring, L-U-R-I-N-G, luring, if you get rid of that, where the treat's in your hand, and guiding the dog around, get rid of that right now and work out the training muscle in your brain of how to split behavior down and mark and reward those tiny steps. If you can do that, your dog will be much better off in the long term. Creativity-wise, when it comes to problem solving, learning new skills, picking better choices and options so you don't have to constantly intervene, all of that happens when your dog knows how to get reinforcement without being prompted. Otherwise, they just sit there. I've literally seen dogs just sit there and stare at you. You could say sit all you want. They're not doing anything until you put your hand up. And this is where some people say, oh, well, my dog responds really well to hand signals. You're absolutely right. Because that's considered a prompt, just like a treat would be. We're prompting them into the right direction. But once you take those prompts away, they've got nothing. It's as if you didn't say anything. If if my cue is going to be a word, I say the word sit, my dog sits. If my cue is going to be a word, And I want them to respond. If I don't say anything, they don't do anything. It's the exact same thing. And for whatever reason, we as human beings treat them as two separate things. They are not two separate entities. They are all together. A cue tells our dog what to do. And in many cases, the treat in your hand is the cue. So everything else doesn't matter. Some dogs get hyper fixated. They put blinders on and they only focus on the treat. It's like their eyes roll back in their head and they're just i want the treat labs do this malinois do it with toys and it's good to have that kind of motivation but i'd much rather switch that motivation to me have them looking towards me engaging with me working with me and then i magically produce treats afterwards after they've done the thing that i want i'm not going to use treats to get them to do it i'm going to mark the behavior they've done and i'm going to reward them afterwards. That's what you need to do. And that's what happens when you take the treat out of your hand. Your dog just stops. I don't want that to happen to you. I want to see your progress with your dog in a timely fashion. You shouldn't be training for years unless you want to. But if you get through the fundamentals, and I say this all the time, if you get through the fundamentals in an effective way, you've learned the skills, and your dog is now prepared to teach anything else you want to teach, any trick, any environmental stimulus you want to work on, any competition you want to do becomes 10 times easier. If you start sooner, right? if a dog has bad habits, they're going to stay bad habits longer. If you start sooner because you worked on the effectiveness in your fundamentals, you've worked on your skills, your dog knows the fundamentals really well, and they're younger when they're learning these things. But really what ends up happening is you have a stronger relationship and your dog is more creative. They can solve problems easier. That makes it much easier for you to do any competition work that you want them to do. This has been a short episode today. I hope you appreciate it. I hope you take this information and go apply it today. Go use it right now, if you you can. If you're driving or dissecting rats or something, then (laughs) clearly don't use it. But if you are gonna use it today, make sure you take notes. I don't say this enough, you guys gotta take notes. It's something that I struggled with in the beginning and I learned the hard way. It's actually the first chapter in the dog training cheat codes that's available at matadorcanine.com it's the first chapter in matadorcanine.com and i'm actually going to put in the description i'm giving away the first chapter for free so if you want to read the first chapter about keeping really good notes so you can progress faster with your dog click the link in the description and go read it today when you have lunch when you are having dinner when you're trying to calm down and cool off before bed enjoy that and i'll see you guys next time thanks for listening